Hi, I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And uh, welcome to Mages and Murder Dads, still probably the only podcast slash video show that is about the Baldur's Gate series. We're playing Siege of Dragonspear. We are, and even if there is uh, one that we will neither confirm nor deny the existence of that is an alternative, we promise you today that we will outlast it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to outlive it. And if we uh, don't do that naturally, we will do that unnaturally. Yeah. We'll just... Lich. Lichdom. Yep. Uh, podcast phylactery. Mm-hmm. Full go. So uh, this, this, this episode is appearing one day before a truly momentous occasion. Uh, mm-hmm. We've already seen it happen one time in Baldur's Gate 1. Go back to, to those episodes to see the political narrative yep. uh, that led to our current situation, but we are about to be living in Jill Stein's America. Yeah, I didn't really thought... I never thought that I would hear those words put together in that order. And here we are. No, no one thought at the beginning of 2016, Jill Stein's on Twitter making jokes, targeting journalists, and no one thinks that we're going to be in Jill Stein's America. But guess what? Baldur's Gate still survives. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really nice way to put it. I think that uh, we've got enough of a backlog that even if all of her video game legislation goes through, um, what, we've got Baldur's Gate 2. We've got Icewind Dale 1. We've got Icewind Dale 2. We got Planescape Torment. We've got uh, Pillars of Eternity. We, we've, you know, we we've got that new other game that just came out. Tyranny. Tyranny. We can dip yeah, into we, Fallout if we need to. <laughs> we can dip into Fallout if, if all else fails. And we just need to weather these next eight years because, let's face it, she's winning the next one. Oh, yeah. We're going to a double-decker uh, Joel Stein's America. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Well, so if you like that kind of content, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Uh, hitting the like and subscribe on YouTube both helps us a lot. We have quite a few people uh, on Facebook doing that kind of thing. And I uh, want to shout out to the subreddit. We did a little bumper video last week, uh, a week from uh, the day that you're hearing this, where we did a little Iron Man challenge. If you didn't see that, because it's not in the playlist uh, for Mages and Murder Dads, I'll put a little link in here, and I'll actually put that link in. It's much mm-hmm. easier to, to make links now than it used to be. And uh, and you might uh, care about that. You can go read the Reddit comment thread in which people talk about the math of Imowen being able to kill that mage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the top quality stuff that we've come to expect when it comes to comments appended to our content. And we just don't foresee any changes on that front. Like, it's always going to be top top quality and i think even it's only going to get better under jill stein's america right that's all we've got mm-hmm. is the reddit comments about <laughs> the math of baldur's gate one yeah how far we've fallen or <laughs> alternately how far we've come mm-hmm. depends on on your perspective on math i think depends on like how deeply you're invested in a lot of on a certain portfolio of stock options that are going to just be eviscerated in the coming eight years mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know we we traditionally in in the first season of mages and murder dads we had a little opening question and for siege of dragon spear we've kind of dropped that opening question out a little bit you know, to- a lot of you know, mostly because these chapters are just so variable in terms of how much content they could have. There have been some episodes, which I think last episode is maybe the biggest example of us just scrambling to talk about the content in the chapter in the time allotted, which uh, we give a reasonable allotment of time of an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's just not enough, and I think last time is is that. Whereas in the in in the first season, we we kind of because we were a little bit more freewheely and we weren't necessarily sticking to chapter per episode we get it, we had some time but this episode and we'll get to this we've got some time we got some time here so we're we've definitely got time for this opening question we do we do we have a little bit of time in this this is chapter 10 i believe chapter 10 that we did for this episode this is chapter uh 12 oh really yeah well in any case this ep- this this chapter <laughs> So we're going to do a little opening question uh, to, you know, let you get to know our personalities even better. So, Danny. Yeah. 
we've talked about ASMR. We've talked about tieflings. Yeah. And since you're our resident lore master of the mm-hmm. of the the world of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, why don't you explain what those are and then riddle me this: which one would you rather be? In my definition uh, of those two respective species, should I use my yin yang analogy that I used four episodes ago? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe open with that. Okay, so ASMR and Tiefling, you got yin and yang here. ASMR is uh, a being which is kind of half mortal being, so like a traditional fantasy D&D race. It could be dwarf, human. I think humans usually the most common but you know you also get some elf in there and half celestial being like uh, angelic being right mm-hmm. a planetar um, or a sure graviton so yeah or a, gra- or, or a graviton or a solar um, or, a, or a solar uh, there you go mm-hmm. yeah a lot of these celestial beings you can literally just say kind of sciencey astronomy type terms mm-hmm. einsteinium yeah and just kind of hope and it might have been in like a splat book from 3.5, so mm-hmm. you're probably safe. Proton. And then, t- <laughs> and then tieflings are the yang of uh, of a half mortal being and half kind of devilish being, um, like a demon or a or a devil. So, yeah. So in terms of which I would rather be, I think that you've got some very different plot. Uh, tropes that are brought out for each of these kind of characters in the fiction. I think Tiefling has a... Which Tieflings were introduced as kind of a constant player race in Dungeons & Dragons in 4th edition. Um, like, out of the out of the book, rather. And uh, they have this trope of they need to overcome their dark natures, right? Like, they're, they're really good people down deep down inside, but they've got some real, uh, you know, turmoil going on, mm, right? A lot of kind of fantasy racism. Sure. Like there's sure. an inborn evil in them. And to mm-hmm. be fair, there's an inborn evil because they are part demon or devil. So there's some essentialism yeah. going on there. But yeah, yeah, there there's this kind of plot motivation or or character motivation of trying to not be a demon or a mm-hmm. devil. Yeah, and I mean, well, the, that's difficult. It's difficult to like give this too much political or or uh kind of critical thought mm-hmm. because essentialism is a keystone piece of like D and D alignment and ethics mm-hmm. because like there is no such thing as a good devil. Right. Mm-hmm. Like almost by definition. Well, yeah, um, certainly within like the D and D averse. Yeah. I bet, I bet in Planescape, I bet there's good devils. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's good. So that a lot, lot more uh, range there. Whereas ASMR, you've got a, um, it's more like you can only disappoint everybody, right? Dang. Like it's your hum- it's your mortal side that will uh, that will betray your good intentions. But you know the really interesting thing about D and D too is that angels can just be big dicks too. Like they can be real jerk stores, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and it's totally fine because like lawful in D and D is not necessarily nice, right? No, it's it's actually what? probably like. Asshole, yeah. Like, de- yeah. like it, uh, with the essentialism, it certainly means you're like, well, yeah. We've, if we we gotta kill a hundred civilians, but they were doing bad stuff. Yeah. I'm like we got. What yeah. are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. I did justice on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, it, which would I rather be like in context in the fiction? Probably. Probably ASMR because it, but you know, actually no. I'm gonna go with Tiefling because then at least you're not a constant disappointment, right? Mm. Like you can rise to the occasion. It's not possible to rise to the occasion if you're an ASMR because everyone's expectations are already so high that right? you're an angel, quite, yeah, quite literally. Mm-hmm. There, you can't like you can't move through the mortal world being half immortal and ever live up to anyone's expectation of their knowledge that you are half angel which is like very heavily signaled by your glowing blue eyes and maybe wings whatever right mm-hmm. yeah your ability to heal people by touching them your halo your yeah your your halo <laughs> mhm it's got party yeah. streamers hanging off of it what about what about you which uh, which side of that are you on oh chiefling Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm a chiefling. I join a uh, like an interplanetary circus. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a scoundrel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. 
like a hundred percent, no question to me. Uh, being an ASMR there... seems like uh, uh, you're just—it's not just the disappointment thing, but mm -hmm. probably if you get in trouble, someone is going to come calling on you, right? Like, mm. like if you do a bad thing, other people are going to come come to you, other angelic figures from beyond the planes, and they're going to be like, "Yo." Why are you disappointing us in particular? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you screw up and you're a tiefling, you probably get like a you know a number one best dad, uh, you know, t-shirt or coffee cup. Like Asmodeus sends you a, a a really late birthday present and be like, "Hey, sorry, I haven't been around. Mm -hmm. um, keep up the good work." Yeah, you did great. Like you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got into a car accident. A plus, good job. <laughs> you know, you got no, you got into a fender bender, but no one really, you know, that's your mm -hmm. job, right? Huh? Interesting. You, uh, so you're 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 pa painting tieflings not only as like maybe a little mischievous, but also just surrounded by bad luck. You're like the mayhem from that insurance commercial, right? Oh yeah, I was getting confused. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I'm so I'm so sorry. Yeah, in my head, it was the mayhem guy. <laughs> uh, from the insurance commercials that I was talking about. Uh, I, I need to change my answer. It's ASMR. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I think uh, because, and the reason I ask about those is that there's so much of that in this expansion, Siege of Dragonspear, mm -hmm. and nowhere else in this whole damn game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, ASMRs, I feel like you're, you've really got a target on your back, right? I feel like, like you, I feel like you of, think that the weight of the world is on you if you're an ASMR. Well, the weight of the world's on you, but also there's just we know what we know about Forgotten Realms is just filled with murder, right? Yeah, that's the so one much constant. so that so much so that there's a deity dedicated to murder, and even though that deity's been slain, he's still like out affecting the world, right? So um, that is the one constant of the Forgotten Realms universe, and it's one of those things where you are so conspicuous with your halo and your glowing eyes and your goody-two-shoes reputation. Who is it that murders people? By and large, people that don't already have a grudge against, like, whatever ASMRs would stand for. Mm. I just feel like you get stabbed one day. You just be going to the market, just like a murderer get you. And that is honestly the plot of Siege of Dragonspear. <laughs> Like theoretically, we, did we got there. We we did get there. So, do you want to give the recap for this episode? Sure. Or the recap of Siege of Dragon Spear so far in one minute or less. Siege of Dragon Spear. There's a ASMR named Kalar Argent. She's on a quixotic um, quest to break into hell and get a bunch of people back that died in an esoteric war. Two and. She uh, made an attempt on our lives, and it looks like we're important to her schemes or her second or her right right hand man Heffernan, and we're trying to unravel that. And uh, the officials of Baldergate, Baldersgate, and other major uh, city states in the Forgotten Realms have launched a a counter crusade against her and has besieged her castle. And that's what we're doing in this episode. This episode yep. is the aforementioned Siege mm -hmm. of Dragonspear. Yep, we're, we are there. It is finally there. You know there can't be that much content left. Otherwise, you would feel betrayed by the title, right? Mm -hmm. The long pause of Dragonspear. Mm -hmm. The multiple imagine, fights of Dragonspear. <laughs> imagine Harry Potter discovers like he's got the Sorcerer's Stone in his hands. And then you you look at the book, like you, you, you like put the book down and you like look how much you got left. And you got halfway left to go. And Dumbledore says, oh, actually, the, the Sorcerer's Stone's not that important. What we really need to do is get this uh, get this other thing, get this uh, magical hamster. That literally happens in every book. You know that, right? <laughs> at the end of every Harry Potter book, they're like, well, that shit that the book's named after does not matter, bruh. Like, I know, but it's at on the back. end. That's what, that's what matters. It's at the end of the book, not halfway. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. But you see, the whole thing is one long novel. <laughs> One long Bildungsroman of the life of a Harold Potter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The Sorcerer's Stone cycle. Is that our rewrite of the Harry Potter novels? <laughs> the Sorcerer's Stone cycle, in which the Sorcerer's Stone is, in fact, the most important part of the entire thing? You wrap back around, 
mm-hmm. and the end of the book is just uh, Hermione like knuckleballing it right into Dumbledore's face. <laughs> no, she and like him. skips it off the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like it's a, like it's a lake and just gets him right in the face. Knocks or Ron's face. just like floating on a on a broomstick with his hands in the air, like Goku gathering strength for the spirit bomb. But instead of the spirit bomb, just the Sorcerer's Stone appears and he just like hucks it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's every Join other next Tuesday. Week. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. When we do the uh, the Harry Potter cast, the Potterhead right. cast. But yeah, we're we're here at the siege. <laughs> we're here at the siege of goddamn Dragon Spear, and <laughs> so this whole thing, you know, there's going to be ample footage of this uh, because I had mm-hmm. this took me an hour and a half somewhere around there, and Danny, yeah. it took you how long? All in, like all the footage I collected. All of the footage, you, yeah. So, say that again. Let me. Let me. Twenty-seven minutes. No, say that one more time while I'm not talking. Twenty-seven minutes. Twenty-seven minutes. Kill me now. <laughs> um. So yeah. So so this it opens and you're like there in Dragon Spear Castle and as we talked about, I think at the tail end of last episode, the work we did during the content of the last chapter changes uh how this chapter operates so we get to the gates and the gates explode the gates explode Mm -hmm. because we put uh an explosive barrel like a quake style explosive barrel (laughs) on a fault line beneath Mm -hmm. the castle no and the and it just happened to be the particular gate that is being warded by magic Mm -hmm. now the real question is why is that explosive even effective? Like you would think that you wouldn't put that explosive where there isn't a magic wall, right? Where there's just a regular stone wall. Mm-hmm. But apparently, this magic barrel is so strong it also dispels the magic wall. Oh my god! It's a magic barrel. There you go. That's you go. what happens to the magic wall when it meets the magical barrel. Mm-hmm. That's the like the pure physics question. It's you know bothered medievalists. It's it bothered Aristotle. He wrote about mm-hmm. that. Beamdog solved it. Beamdog solved that question. So, yeah, so it blows up. And there are, you know, like we've talked about in several episodes so far in Siege of Dragon Spear, there are a lot of NPCs on this map. Like, there are a million non player enemies and a million non player allies, and there's a war going on. There's a real war. It's a real struggle for the, uh, the very heart, beating heart of the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. So, tell me about how your war went. This big old fight, as we have described the it in our big old uh, show fight. notes. So I think I, I had three attempts on the big old fight. Mm-hmm. Um, there are 47, I counted, uh, because one of the questions Kunzelman wrote in the notes are, how many people are there? Um, and, and the answer is, to start, there are like 47 people on your side. I never got an accurate count of how many enemies there are. Probably that many, mm-hmm. right? There's a ton. So you break in the wall, and uh, one of the generals, I think the Water Davian general maybe, hastes everybody, and then just people just go to town. I've got a an interesting dynamic, because when he prompts me, uh, hey, did you, did you plant the barrel? And I said, sure. And he said, okay, awesome, we're going to blow the barrel. And he said, and he also asked, did you do anything else? And I said, yeah, I poisoned the water and the food. And he's like, ah, they, they seem to be pretty uh, sapped of energy. I, I believe that, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know if that actually affects the fight. Probably, right? It, There's probably an actual mechanic. It does. Uh, after this chapter was over, I was looking to make sure I didn't miss anything, just kind of side mm-hmm. quest-wise, because it seemed like I could have. Um, and there was like, a, it, it uh, reduces the health of enemies. Mm, okay. If you if you do the poison. I did not do the poison. Yeah, the first two times I tried to focus the casters, Um but I, I was focused down because the casters are in the back lane and it kind of causes everybody in this fight to, to aggro me. Mm-hmm. So I just was a little bit more haphazard with the lives of my allies, who include like three or four ogres, including an ogre mage, because I did that thing uh, last episode where I helped out that ogre tribe that Kunzelman did not meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. And so, yeah, the, the successful try, I just got my potion of speed berserked and then just killed people on the fringes, and we kind of, like, collapsed on the enemy team 
almost like a swinging door down and a flanking maneuver because I was just killing the people on the extreme, like, left, I mm. think. Yeah, so uh, at the end of it, I was blinded, and then there was more fighting going around me that I didn't see, and then a dialogue option started with a character I could not see, and the camera, like, focused on a dark area of the map that I couldn't see because I was blinded. Whoa, weird. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really do the fight. Like I went, huh. I went in with everyone who was like going to do mm-hmm. the fight, and we just kind of hung back, and they did it on their own. Really? Yeah, I kind of let the 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 armies do their army work. Sure. Uh, I think I did cast cloud kill and a couple fireballs into it, but mm-hmm. you know that that wrecked my own team as much as it did. Uh, sure. The enemies, but yeah, it, it just kind of worked out, and I ended up. I kind of was trying to do, you know. Uh, it's unclear sometimes if I think I'm flanking or running away. So t- mm-hmm. no matter what, it is a tactical maneuver. And so I tactically went north, and that's when I ran into our old friend, our oldest friend of all, a character that we have deep uh, knowledge of mm-hmm. and emotional connection to. She has appeared, or or he actually. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Almost certain gender. She, she's she's got a well. Right. It's a feminine voice, definitely. Oh, it's yeah. It's voice acted. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, Ashatiel is her name? Ashatiel. Ashatiel, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so she's she's hanging out there uh, with, like, her own party of adventurers. And we've met her a couple times in, like, um, Kalor Argent's off-screen soliloquies where she talks about stuff we don't care about for the most part. Yeah, there was one cutscene in between chapters where she gives uh, Kalar a pep talk, mm-hmm. and she says, "I'm going to kill that ball spawn." And Kalar's like, "You can't do it." And Ashtil's like, "I'm I'm making no promises," and then walks away more or less. And uh, what, uh, what I really like about this dialogue option is that Ashtil's like, "Ah, oh, yes, finally it's the ball spawn." And one of my dialogue options was, "We just met," or it's like we <laughs> met at the like negotiation or whatever because mm-hmm. she was there and I was like we we met there and then the next line of dialogue does not acknowledge that I said that and I thought it was really mm-hmm. funny about like these like yeah, big I... fantasy bad you know characters being like oh yeah we don't care mm-hmm. yeah I, I think at this point in the game I am almost always going to choose whatever option is the one where I say well I'm going to murder you like imminently so I think I went with that bottom one dang no I didn't I like tried to uh, tried to make it go and but I do like that like these uh, big kind of characters have their own adventuring party that like they have their own bros they hang out with and do like epic level stuff with. So did Ashatiel just appear out of nowhere, or yep. was she just standing there? Uh, a little of both. A little of both. Yeah, I think they like to mention Dord in. Okay, yeah, because Balthazar was still blinded and at half health and was just kind of wandering around after the big old fight. Mm-hmm. And then I just uh, they appeared around me, or I just walked into them. So I, it was it was difficult for me to know, but, uh, I but think, yeah, she yeah. Uh, luckily like because her 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 party her bro bro party mm-hmm. like, just a bunch of hail fellows mm-hmm. did not uh, was not a factor in this confrontation. Yeah, so she gives you two options. She says uh, we can duel right here right now, and if you can kill me in one on one combat, this this is over. It's basically mm-hmm. like the speed run skip for this whole. This whole, uh, like, battle of two armies event. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can, like, straight up, you know, uh, have a, a normal RPG encounter, a normal Baldur's Gate encounter, and then you can fight, like, a couple more army groups, and then uh, then you kind of make your way into into the castle. So you went for the duel. Yeah, of course. Balthazar would never turn down a duel, ever. So how'd that go? It was, it was incredibly easy. I was at half health. I berserked and I attacked her. My potion of speed was still active because that thing lasts eight hours. Um, and uh, hit her. She has like a shield ability, but I was able to continue to damage her through it. And I think I got one of my all-time highest hits of 53 damage on her as a critical. Uh, and it took her. It took me like three hits to kill her. That's a big hit. Yeah. So Ticklevar uh, tried to... <laughs> to duel her a couple times and um, I tried a lot of different methods to do that um, Ticklevar doesn't have breach so I couldn't get rid of any of her magical protections so mm. that like really messed me up a bit so my strategy was to cast cloud kill on top of her and one time it did kind of work but then it killed me before it killed her so mm. it didn't really work 
Um, yeah, that's a very generous definition of kind of worked. Well, it kind of worked. It worked better than most of the other things I tried. I got you. So eventually what I did is I just... Because the game actually saves your game automatically. Ooh. There's an autosave right when you talk to her. And the autosave is called final save, which is really weird. Weird. Because it's not the final save. So I don't really know uh, what's going on with that. But um, but so it saves right before the dialogue triggers. So I, I reloaded a million times to make the spike go. And uh, I would pause the game. I would set all of my people to do spells or abilities or fire arrows or whatever at specific members of the party. Because she has, like, a wizard, a cleric, a gnoll fighter, like, another paladin-y kind of fighter character, and then a thief. Mm-hmm. So it's like a full, like, real party. It's a six-person party. And uh, so I, like, you know, concentrated down the cleric and then concentrated down the, the mage. And so as soon as she was done speaking... My entire team just, like, collapsed in on killing one or two members of the mm-hmm. party. But I still ended up, like, the fight was hard enough for me that I ended up training them back into my my army that was waiting right below. And uh, kind of did that. But if you do it that way, she teleports up north on the map. And you have to kill a whole other, like, army group to, to actually fight her. And you had to do all this? Yeah, I had to do all this. This is why it took more time. Because there's no way uh, I could win the duel one-on-one with the kind of spells that Ticklevar had. Mm, like, that's, a, that, that's the issue of, like, uh, of Sorcerer versus Wizard. Wizard, you would have a wider array of options, but mm-hmm. not as many casts per day. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, like, right now I can cast Cloud Kill three times a day. That's pretty cool. Like, that does, mm-hmm. that does work. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, but I just didn't. Like, I, Ticklevar... Because I have Dinah here in the party, who is a, you know, she's an evoker or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. she has all of the wizard-to-wizard combat spells. Sure. And Tickovar has the more generalist stuff, because that's more useful in more encounters. Mm-hmm. And so, a duel just doesn't... I mean, I'm sure someone has made that work with maybe a different set of spells, but I just don't think I could have done it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and and fair also, uh, Balthazar is higher level than Tickovar. Yeah, I don't know what level we are, actually. What level are you? I doubt. I mean, I'm level 10. I'm at the cap. Yeah, I think we're like 8. I think all my mm-hmm. people are 8. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you do that. I, I, I do that, kill. and I apparently skip like a good half hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that was just me trying to win that one fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't save. I couldn't quick save. I couldn't rest because combat was going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Enemies continue to spawn out of the castle. Yeah, that's right, because that's the gimmick, right? They, after we win the big fight, they're saying, oh, the reinforcements are still going. We're going to have to do something to, like, break their morale. And that fight with Ashatil is that mechanic to break their morale, to stop the reinforcements so you can continue. Yeah, right? but that doesn't work for me because she teleports north after I kill her party. Uh, so I have yeah. to kill more army and respawning army, and it was just kind of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. What a what a nightmare scenario. So how are you feeling about the chapter so far? Like let's go back in time and you're you're let's say you finally get Ashatil after you like fight your way up to her. How are you feeling about the content of of this particular chapter as opposed to last chapter? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a different kind of it was also a kind of like I want this to be over. Mm-hmm. But not because of density, just because like I could not incrementally complete it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I couldn't kind of, like, do a fight and then save and do a fight and then save. I had to do several fights, and they were all kind of hard um, mm-hmm. because, like, my resources are, are going down. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, a lot of the enemy troops drop uh, potions of healing, so I was able to kind of keep going that way. And there's a lot of cool items that showed up on the ground. Um, there was, like, a ring of free action that I got, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, Balthazar's been uh, rocking one of those for a uh, for a good long while. Yeah, yeah, I think this is mm-hmm. this is the first one uh, that I had. Um, another couple like interesting things. I think I got some slightly better armor for someone. Um, mm-hmm. Just that kind of like. Oh no, I got better like better medium shields for the people who were using medium shields, like that kind of thing. Ashatil definitely drops a medium shield, if I recall. It's like a medium shield plus two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I like it's it's fine. But then we go up to the gates, so you know we we end all of these uh, kind of courtyard skirmishes. The yeah. the first part of the siege, we uh, open the door to the castle, and then Kalar Argent shows up. 
Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember what Kalar Argent said? Oh my gosh. Um, I think I'm just blanking because it's the exact same stuff she's been saying. It is the like, like almost verbatim what she tells you in the meeting that she wants to do. Yeah, to like save people from hell. It does not progress the narrative of this game in any way. Yeah. Um, and this is this is the cutscene uh, where she's above the gate. Uh, just before we like uh, a little, a little dwarf like blows it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's there, or she, whatever the the dwarf uh, mm-hmm. is, the same person who built the explosive bomb that we use for the gates too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you how did you handle the dialogue option with Kalar? Yeah, I have no so idea. So she says she literally gives you a a Darth Vader. Join me. Together we can bring about a new age, an age of peace, justice, and enlightenment. And there are three options. Uh, the first is like, hey, you're talking about peace and justice, but your crusades wrecked everything, right? You need, you need to stop and surrender. Mm-hmm. The second one is a more like, ah, I wish I could believe you. I really do wish I could believe you. And then the third says, I don't care about any of that. I just want my revenge. Mm. Now. Right. Do you remember which one you chose? I probably chose the, the first one, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but. That's more, that, that's playing straight up status Ticklevar, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, order at all costs. <laughs> well, just like, Baldur's Gate's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mess that up. Yeah. Go with the flow kind of Ticklevar. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Incremental changes. Maybe we can, you know, <laughs> slowly transition the Archdukedom into into something that resembles something fairer. But, you know, for mm-hmm. what we, for what, you know, compared to the these, you know, Bar- barbarous goblins that are living out in the woods it's it's much better mm-hmm. we're doing way better than them <laughs> they just dance ghosts into existence and they're not that good at it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i definitely went with number three like the there's no way this ends without kalar dying if i have anything to do with it and uh this is not a hollow promise about uh that ogre which will not be named tazok it's mm-hmm. not that's it's not a modern day Tezok that's happening. You never smote Tezok. He's he's still living in the temple <laughs> in, of Baal, deep, deep below Baldur's Gate. That's a worse, you know, to but in my defense, that's probably a worse fate, right? Just waiting there forever with his dead god there. That's not how it goes. You can't what, what's you, he doing? You you vowed <laughs> to smite him. Mm-hmm. I, like, I agree it's worse, but that has nothing to do with your vow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of a contractualism kind of letter of the law scenario here. Oh, I gotcha. You're supposed to smite, smite that guy. Maybe I wonder if there's a mod or anything that would allow you to take your level 10 character, export it from from the mm-hmm. end of Siege of Dragonspear, read And just load it back into an autosave at the beginning of that chapter I bet just to, is. like, fulfill it. I bet you can do I'll that. Look in, I'll look into that. That's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, if uh, if we can get uh, 10 comments on this video, I will do that. Dang, 10 comments. Okay. It can be the same yeah. 10 pe- or the same person 10 times, too. That's okay. Uh, it needs to be, like, uh, discrete comments and not the same words over and 10 over uniques? Over. Yeah, 10 oh. unique comments. But they can all be from the same person? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll comment 10 times. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm like Kalar. I've got beef with her, and I, she's dangerous. And uh, she tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. So then she like zips on into the keep or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's finally the first time I can rest. I think. Mm-hmm. So I hit that rest button. Did you rest at any time? Uh, yeah. Do you have a dream? I did have a dream. Oh, these dreams. Tell me these... what you think happened in this dream. Like, I don't even understand it. Oh, my gosh. So there is a dream. And in this dream, you see the hooded figure talking to you again. And Kalar Argent is uh, in the dream. And she's mourning all the death that's happening. And this is the key words. Like, this is the only bit of information we're given in the dream, right? We're in ostensibly Kalar Argent's house, and there is a a man there, and Kalar Argent says, I had to make it right. I had to save them 
hyphen save him whatever the end right so that's what Kalar says then there is a scene change to a bridge and you might be wondering is this the uh is this the bridge of the like the Borskir bridge like is this the the bridge that ball was killed on no it's just a bridge well, i think it's i think it's actually the original bridge they blew up like the first time you meet Kalar Argent. Yeah, no, you're right. It's that bridge. Okay. Um, but it is not like a bridge with like greater spiritual significance. Um, and uh, then the hooded man does the exact same stuff that he does every time, where he makes where he like mean mugs you and says, "Well, what you've yet you've yet to learn something. You've yet to learn the thing that you should learn, and you're you don't know because you you're unlearned. You're very That's naughty. He, yeah." And then Kalar Argent turns into that same hazy uh, yellow monster, like a big old urine monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the urine monster. Uh, trademark. And it rolls over and it one-shots one you and then the dream's, dream's over. Yeah, what is that even about? Like, I don't I even mean, get it. It's about the same thing that it's always been about. Is it? The other ones were like, "Hey, you don't you don't have the the gall to do what you need to do, ball spawn." But that one's just like a weird snapshot from someone else's life, and then you get murdered. Sometimes it is like Emmawin got turned into a urine monster and killed you, right? Like, so you're saying right? that the variety of urine monster death is the the significance here? Well, no, it's just like you look in on somebody else's life. And I don't even I don't ever think that the uh, I guess the thing we have to figure out is is the dialogue that happens between the person we're like looking in on on their life is that ever related to the hoodie man's dialogue? And on a superficial level, no, yeah, because the hooded man's always saying the same thing. In this one, he says he compares you. Oh, you're clinging to the past like a child does its mother's teat. You struggle against the inevitable. So he's saying the same stuff that he's always said. Yeah. I don't know. So, I think that there's either some real three-dimensional chess going on where each individual scene is about a moment of weakness or, like, some other thing that is reflected in us and we just have not read deeply enough into it. Or it's just dream sequences that are, like, filling in characterization because this is the only way we get the information this is the first time we're exposed to the information that kalar argent might have ulterior motives like i.e saving a single person instead of all of these people mm, that is true that is true that yeah. maybe it is personally motivated instead of just being uh, purely altruistic yeah no such thing as altruism that's what we're learning from this game we're learning a lot of things altruism the the complete you know cosmopolitan doom in the forgotten realms yeah there's some like real strong objectivist themes <laughs> it's kind of weird right yeah when you, you start putting two and two together and you realize that somebody's got to hold the world up mm-hmm mm -hmm. mm -hmm. anyway so uh, so i went to the castle and there's straight up nothing there for quite a long time is that your experience yeah no i uh i actually went through the rooms of that upper level quite diligently because I imagine there would be stuff there. There were a few boxes that I couldn't open as Balthazar. Um, normally, I would, uh, like, berserk and then holy might and then try to force the lock open. Because that, like, caps my... that I get to the strength cap of 25 when I do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't bother. Yeah, because it probably doesn't matter very much. And I have a great story about things not mattering very much. <laughs> Okay. So I went downstairs, and so you go downstairs, and you're trying to find Kalar Argent in, like, the, the bowels of this castle, and I make it down to the level that we talked about last episode uh, where you could uh, uh, poison the food, kind of like the basement. You could do that, or you and, like, you didn't have an opportunity to do so, but I, uh, I eavesdropped on Heffernan mm -hmm. in, this, in this space, yeah. And you, like, fought his buddies or something. Yeah, I killed uh, all his buddies, and I beat him within a, a centimeter of his life, and he and he teleported out. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm in this in this zone, and there's like a ghost running around. So I like Dang. I talk to the ghost, and his name's Daros, and Daros mm -hmm. is the guy. I think his name actually might be Daros Dragonspear. 
It's oh yeah, no. So I talked to this uh, this guy. He's a dwarf. I talked to this guy uh, last episode. Oh, okay, he told me a little bit. Yeah. So I talked to him, and he's like, "Hey, you could let me go. I'm like trapped here, Heffernan's chuckling evilly in my face all day long. It's rude as hell." Mm-hmm. And so I like got a little info from him, but for the most part, I was just invested in letting him go. And literally, he's like, "Yeah, you could just like." You know, he's like, there's a little symbol on the ground here. If you just, like, kick that with your shoe, you'll let me go. Exactly. And I was like, all right, I'll let you go. So I kick it, and he says, oh, hey, because you're so cool, let me uh, uh, let me show you where some treasure is. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a little treasure right beside him on the uh, in the ground. So in the ground, uh, there is a – it's full plate. I think it's full mm-hmm. plate plus two, mm-hmm. and it's of dragon slain. Or so, oh, no, it's his armor. Yeah. And it has a plus two against Dragon Breath, I want to say, or a plus four against Dragon Breath for your save, mm-hmm. which is really cool, right? Sure. Except we're at the very end of this game, and as far as I can tell, because of what's going to happen uh, in just a minute, what we talk about, I don't think there's another dragon in the game. Mm-hmm. And stuff will not move from this game to Baldur's Gate 2. That we are aware of. I don't think it does, period. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, uh, except for a couple things, items never moved from the import-export. Yeah, there was, like, a, there was a quest, I think, in Baldur's Gate 1 that I don't know if either of us ended up doing. Um, like, a, a piece of clothing or something, like a sash. And I know that moves. Or the golden pantaloons. Yeah, the pantaloons move. that... I think they're mm-hmm. silver, and they become gold in Baldur's Gate 2, and then you use them to, like, make a thing. So, like, there's some edge case stuff. But I don't, mm-hmm. like, your equipment kind of, in a general sense, does not move. Um, mm. So as far as I know, this is just the most useless piece of equipment. It's really cool. I, I You know, I appreciate the effort. But, uh, you know, it might be cooler if it did anything else. I mean, at least it's plus two. Somebody's getting use out of that, right? I already had plus two. I think for everybody who could wear that, that armor. Because it's everywhere. It's falling off people at this point. Dang. Yeah. It's kind of a well, bummer. imagine how uh, useless it would be if you were a lone barbarian and found it, and it just stayed in the ground. Oh, really? You were just, like, not even worth going in the bag of holding? No. Dang. Well, I will tell you a cool thing that happened from this. Okay. So, Daros, his mm-hmm. BFF was that dragon that was underneath the ground. Ah, uh, so this is... Uh... I wonder how, and we've kind of mused this in the last episode, I wonder how different things would be if you did both Deiros last episode and the dragon. Well, so here's the cool thing, is that I did mm -hmm. the dragon, you know, because I did that last episode, and uh, he's like, you know, I have to go now, the fugue plane, which is kind of like where souls go to get kind of sorted, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, the sorting hat (laughs) in the the death Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Um uh, so he's like, oh, my, my buddy, you know, the dragons have incredibly long, valley names. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I can feel my buddy in the field plane calling me. And then I got a little, then I got a little achievement. That's like BFFs forever or something. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So so there's a lot of like, that's where I think that Siege of Dragonspear and whatever Beam Dog's next kind of Baldur's Gatey kind of thing um, mm-hmm. does like... That is the the thing that is missing from Baldur's Gate, the original two games, mm-hmm. that could be very easily implemented. Just like checking, like basic variable checking about what you've done in the world that can add one or two lines of dialogue, right? That kind mm-hmm. of makes the world feel a little bit more coherent in some ways. And yeah. I feel like there's not enough of that, but at the same time, I might just not have seen it, right? I think that there is some of that in both Baldur's Gate and Siege of Dragonspear. I think it's it's usually when we talk about it, it's some real highlight moments. The uh, the Bard quest from Chapter One of Siege of Dragonspear, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Chapter Two. Yeah. Uh, really fun stuff. Really interesting stuff. Uh, stuff about relationships and about like actual characters that make you care about those characters right mm-hmm. instead of like some real showing and not telling and uh even if it is just like a one-off dialogue piece about how this this dwarf you know castle builder was was real good friends with this dragon 
that's fun. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I would love to see more stuff that's in that realm. Yeah, because I'm just thinking about, like, all the way back to maybe the second or third episode of the show, right? When we, uh, you know, we, like, killed a siren. It was, like, mm-hmm. the siren who was tricking people into killing that. She she tricked us into killing that guy. And she would, like, smooch you and kill one of your party like a, members. Like, was it, like, a nymph or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of thing of, like... You go to a tavern, and someone's like, hey, that nymph, like, I heard she's killing people. And you could be like, yeah, I killed her. Or, like, yeah, she smooched me, and I died, and I came back to life. Right? Like, mm. um, it's basic kind of, like, did you encounter this 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 uh, enemy? Did you kill it? Right? And those both get assigned variables to them. And then a conversation that checks those sometime later, right? Um, yeah. And, like, there's labor time into that, but I feel like that labor is always worth investing because it makes the world just so much more vibrant and interesting and and cool. Yeah, no, it is. But I guess the, I guess the argument on the other side is that is labor that will not necessarily be experienced by players, right? Because you have to go to that tavern and you have to talk to that person after you Mm -hmm. do a thing. But I think like in the Baldur's Gate, the world of Baldur's Gate design and development, you hedge on that, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's true because there are people in the reddit thread for one of our videos talking about the combat math from Baldur's gate one right mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. get it people are rightly invested in these games and i think you lean into that investment uh when mm-hmm. making the stuff and I, my impression is like pillars of eternity and those kind of latter day games do do kind of push that kind of thing uh pretty hard yeah. tune in uh during the fifth or sixth year of the Jill Stein presidency for our uh, Pillars of Eternity content. Yeah, sometime around the 2022 midterms. <laughs> yeah. Um, link here. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you better remember that because I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, set a, I'll set a Google alert. Oh, my God. Please do that. Please set the <laughs> Google alert and then send me video of it. Okay. And I'll add that in. Excellent. Okay, so, um, the, you know, so Daros, and then there's a little vault, and they say, Kalar Argent's in the vault. So what? Mm. what's in that vault, Danny? Well, Kalar's in the vault. Whoa. Okay, it looks, and, and we open the thing just in time for them not to suffocate. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and then our face is <laughs> melted, so. <laughs> and Indiana Jones said, no, uh, no, Marion, don't look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. But yeah, it's a, it was a little trap. Kalar's there, and I step up to Kalar and say, "Let's finish this. Let's let's get this over with." And uh, a bunch of a bunch of folks like pop out out of invisibility. Right? Were they invisible? I I like, couldn't or, tell. Like the people just appeared, and I actually couldn't tell if they were her people or if they were my allies coming to kill her. No, they were definitely uh, crusaders. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Heffernan pops out. And Heffernan, it's the big reveal, even though I've known this for, for days, right? I've had multiple opportunities to tell Kalar about this. Like, I know information as a character. I know information that I know Kalar does not know. And I've yet to have the ability to express that information in multiple interactions I've had with Kalar. This is very deeply frustrating. This is a dis, like narratively dissonant experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's all, it's all for naught because Heffernan finally turns, he casts a paralyzed spell and Kalar's like, Hey, I'm paralyzed too. You messed it up. And Heffernan says, no, I'm, I'm a wizard. And it is entirely intentional. He was a wizard and the whole he, time. Yeah. That's the reveal. The time. That's the reveal. And, uh, and he pokes me. So here's a thing that really got me <laughs> about the pokery here. Mm hmm. Is that a? I just got that ring of free action, mm-hmm. and I put that bad boy on. Mm-hmm. I should not be paralyzed by any spell. Sure, that really gets me. Like mm-hmm. you were just talking about some narrative dissonance. That's some real like mechanical uh, inconsistency that really got mm-hmm. to me. Just make it anything else. Have a demon's arm pop out of the ground and grab me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Make it make it something something big and splashy and weird. Yeah, you know what? This would have been a perfect opportunity for time stop. Time stop, because there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do about it this level too. Yeah, that would have been great. 
Mm-hmm. Beam dog. Little info. <laughs> Use time stop liberally. Liberally. Like uh, every uninterruptible cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> it's just time stop. Yeah. Um so so he does that. He pokes you the 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 ball spawn blood. Mm-hmm. The blood that is infused with the uh powers of a god that Kalar Argent's blood wasn't good enough for. It mm-hmm. drips Which is the only way you know that information is because I told you because I eavesdropped on Heffernan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. It dripped onto the ground, and then what happened? A big old portal to hell opened. Yep. An honest-to-goodness, big old portal. Not a small one, either. A big one in the ground, probably about 15 feet by 15 feet, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not quite as big as the other portal to hell that we have seen, or the portal <laughs> to like the elemental plane of fire. Sure. It's not that big, but it's pretty big. And uh, then he just zips on in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Well, he zips on in there, and then Kalar Argent, in a pretty cool move, I think, was like, look, we gotta fight them there. We're not gonna fight them at home. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I know. That's that's what she says. She's like, we gotta fight them there. We can't have them invading our Dragon Spear castle. Also, we neglect to mention that when we are uh, poor man time-stopped, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. with whatever that spell is, mm-hmm. uh, all of the generals and the the flaming crusade abandon us immediately and say we got to seal the vault and one one soldier kind of intimates that maybe they shouldn't leave us behind Mm -hmm. and the uh the the leader the sergeant like immediately uh puts that down and says no we gotta we gotta seal this up so we are locked in here yeah it's basically uh like uh uh, two very serious people in like Ernest from Ernest Scared <laughs> Stupid or Ernest Goes to Camp who's like mm-hmm. well what if we need to help them and they're like no Jim Varney you don't need to help them at all and he's like yeah. you're right you're right I don't need to help them mm-hmm. and then they lock you into the vault yeah and then so Kalar Argent just zips into hell to Crusaders follow her Crusaders follow her and then I was kind of I mean theoretically given an option <laughs> but not really that much of an option but I had an interest, so I'm assuming that Balthazar just flew right into hell. Absolutely. So I was interrupted by a dialogue with Viconia, and this oh. and this is my second uh, like I like I you know anytime I have the option to talk to a party member, I take it and like I have the full conversation, and the only mm-hmm. two that I have been prompted by so far in the game have been. Uh, uh, Corwin? Is that her name? Yeah. I, I don't know why I, I didn't think that was right. So Corwin, and we were like, every time I talk to her and I have this problem kind of consistent, consistently across games with romances, if you're just mm-hmm. not mean to someone, a game takes that as romance. Mm. Like, so like Corwin, every time she like brought things up, I was like, yeah, you, you should be concerned about your child. Like your child is important to you and you should like stay safe to take care of your kid. Because, like, as we said at some point earlier in this game, uh, we're, like, um, the Forgotten Realms is experiencing one of the largest refugee crises that's ever yeah. occurred. Like, that kid needs a parent. Uh, yeah, you got to protect your neck here and uh, and watch out after your own. Yeah, and so apparently that is the romance path for Corwin. Hmm. And so at some point, I think a couple episodes ago, she, like, tried to push the romance, and I was like, yo, I'm, I'm just not interested. Um, in like that romance. So, in being nice to Viconia, over and over again, I got all the way to the end of that romance, apparently. And so, and so, yeah, so she's like trying to compliment me, and there's like a well-written back and forth. I I think whoever, someone on the Beamdog writing team probably likes Viconia as a character, um, Mm -hmm. because we see all this kind of like drow story stuff that I just didn't see with any of the other characters. Short, mm-hmm. Shorter the other, um, like, Dinahir-Minsk combo. Uh, yeah. The Rashimani, Rashimi um, mm-hmm. people. But anyway, so, like, Viconia is back and forth, and she's, like, trying to give you a compliment, and you can, like, kind of be playful about, like, well, you're not great at that, and blah, blah, blah. So we go through this conversation dialogue, and she's like, uh, I think it is customary for people to have a kiss in these scenarios. And I was like, mm. I was like, okay. And then they smooched. Tickle Var oh, and Viconia. 
smooching it up. But because I don't think that Siege of Dragonspear hooks into Baldur's Gate 2, I think that's just going to be like a thrown away at the end of this. Yeah, I, I I seriously doubt there's like a reputation or a uh, like romance or social track that gets hooked in uh, from this expansion to BG2. Mm-hmm. But it's still content. So we finally, uh, so, you know, in a game, a series of games that is full of like the early Bioware romance stuff, mm-hmm. we finally have a romance that has occurred. Man, I know. We'll have to we'll have to see if you make the right dialogue options in BG2 to make that happen. I remember playing BG2 um when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. all the women, if you're just nice to them, if you mm-hmm. just say things that are like what it, just something that not a complete asshole would say, you get mm-hmm. to the end of all of their romance trees. Mm-hmm. That thing those things boggle my mind. Like the yeah. like the the romancing in the game is very non complex, right? And that's a well remarked yeah. upon and well kind of written about area. But it just even then when I was playing the games, it was like this doesn't feel like it is more than one level deep uh, for any of us. Yeah, these. I think the uh, the the complicated thing there is if you make it more than one level deep and it feels more quest like. Like, oh, you need to go gather a chicken and an elk to, to like, advance the romance. Mm. Yeah. If you attach more mechanics to it, it might seem even more artificial. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't envy anyone trying to write those things. I think it's probably very difficult. Yeah. Uh, And this is why visual novels are such an important, uh, I think, game genre. Because they are the work of relationship maintenance. And it is, uh, it does have more mechanical and narrative complexity to it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I know that people are solving this problem, but I think that the fact that I know that people are solving this problem now and we're probably solving this problem uh, when the first Baldur's Gate came out makes it even more of a problem, right? Mm. No, I hear you. But, I mean, I, I do like it that there's still, uh, with the expansion, Viconia is one of my favorite characters in the game in BG1 and BG2. Yeah, like I think she's one of the better written characters. Her backstories and and dialogue are just really have always been fun and wry and and humorous. And it's really fun. So I'm glad to hear that they they spent the extra effort, even if it, there's not really a payoff or or a continuation in the sequel. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. I my my assumption would be that uh, Baldur's Gate Two remains unchanged in the way that you meet Viconia. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and we'll talk about this, you know, in, in several episodes when we get there, but I feel like it's actually going to be kind of a uh, incoherent transition between Siege of Dragonspear, Viconia narrative, and uh, Baldur's Gate 2 Viconia narrative. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess it's going to be next episode where we figure out how this transition even occurs, because I think next episode is going to be the last episode of... Siege of Dragon Spear before like maybe a maybe a mini episode in between season two and season three, but I think the I think the content ends next episode. Yeah, because you click on the little thing and you zip on down to hell, and then that's the next chapter. And it it said final save for me when I did that. Ooh, the final save. It is interesting that there's a final save with Ashatiel. It makes me wonder if there was a. Did you go through all the dialogue options? Uh, no. There's probably a hidden dialogue option when you talk to her that just ends the game. Just the game is over. Well, she just you if you like you you convince her to betray, uh, <laughs> uh, betray Kalar Argent. Mm-hmm. She flies over with her wings and just stabs her in the neck. Oh dang! Then cuts off uh, Heffernan's hands. Whoa! And, uh, and then he's she's the hero of Baldur's Gate now. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're just a nobody. And you settle. You just become a dirt farmer. But you're real good. Dirt farming. Back to dirt farming. Speaking of dirt farming, uh, Viconia's backstory. Just remember that. Ooh. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's the episode for, for this two-week period. We'll be back in two weeks with uh, with the final episode of the Siege of the Dragon Spears. Right? Totally. Right? Yeah. 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 100%. Okay. Well, uh, click on the Facebook and the Twitter and all that other stuff that's in the description uh, if you hit like on Facebook, that actually is probably like the most helpful thing. And, you know, leave a comment. We like to, we try to respond to all the comments and, uh, that's it. That's it.
we're done. Goodbye. Stay safe, everybody. So Say the wise Alondo.